Welcome to Long Covid Doctor, an educational series for sufferers of Long Covid. I'm Dr Tim Robinson, formerly a GP for 30 years, now GP lead for three NHS Long Covid clinics and a GP clinical lead in Long Covid across the southwest of England. This episode is on fatigue and Long Covid. In part one, I'll talk about symptoms and diagnosis and investigations. And in part two, I'll talk about the treatments, management and outcomes. I've divided it into two parts because it probably runs for about an hour in total. So to make it more um, uh, less tiring uh, and more digestible, I thought I'd divide it into two parts. There are references, links and resources um, shown in the show notes below. Um, any advice, diagnoses, treatments that I mention should only be considered after discussion with your own GP or qualified professional health provider. And so here we go. Fatigue and long COVID. So fatigue uh it's very common in long COVID. In fact, in it's one of the big three, of course, isn't it? Along with breathlessness and brain fog. Fatigue, in my experience, in the, in the long COVID services that I work for, is the commonest symptom with the greatest impact on those patients. But fatigue is not exclusive to long COVID, of course. Um, fatigue from SARS-CoV-2 virus um, uh, is is not is not the only cause for fatigue. Um, it's also seen in other post-viral illnesses. So, after glandular fever, Epstein-Barr virus that can cause recurring fatigue. Other viruses, the HHV6, human herpes virus 6, CMV, cytomegalovirus, enteroviruses, these can all cause fatigue following the acute illness. And of course, post-viral fatigue was also seen in SARS-CoV-1, the original um, COVID coronavirus uh, uh, epidemic back in 2003. And also in MERS, the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome virus in 2012, also a coronavirus, and Ebola and dengue fever. All these have fatigue following on from their acute illness. And there was an interesting study um, in which patients who had suffered the first coronavirus, the first SARS-CoV-2 virus in 2003, four years after the illness, uh, in this study that I that I found, um, 40% still had fatigue four years after the acute illness. 30% of those, those patients um, met the criteria for ME-CFS. So that's interesting, and more on that a bit later on. So, long COVID fatigue. So what do we mean by fatigue? Well, you know, we all know what the definition of, of fatigue is, but, you know, it's obviously a bit more complicated than that, isn't it? Um, there's physical fatigue and mental fatigue. Physical fatigue, that, that, that sort of 
as we've all probably experienced after after exertion, um, absolute muscle weakness. This is weakness and tiredness. Patients tell us they've got no energy. They're completely drained, worn out, useless. There's mental fatigue. Um, when they just patients say, look, I just feel too tired to think and can't concentrate. I feel overwhelmed, mentally numb. These are all familiar sort of ways that patients describe their fatigue. The fatigue is unpredictable. Uh, you just, you don't, you can't predict when it's going to happen. It's intermittent. So, you know, it comes and goes. It's usually disproportional to the amount of exertion you do. Just the minimal amount of exertion brings about fatigue. You may have heard of post-exertional malaise or post-exertional symptom exacerbation, P-E-M or P-E-S-E. This is fatigue that occurs following exertion. More on this later on. Patients often sort of identify other associated symptoms, symptoms that they have along with their fatigue felt in their muscles. So they describe all sorts of things like the the legs feel like lead or they fizz or they feel like they're on fire or jelly-like or a a metal bar sitting inside of my thighs deep in the leg. So patients have all sorts of associated symptoms um, related to their fatigue. But they also have sort of, if you like, general symptoms. They often complain complain of feeling just generally unwell. It's sort of general malaise. So those are the symptoms that patients are bringing to us in certainly in the clinics that I work in. So on to the medical assessment to make a diagnosis, the medical assessment of fatigue. So routine standard stuff, you know, in in medicine, what do we do? We take the history, the medical history, the story, the nar- narrative from the patient, and we proceed to examination. A general history um, and a general examination to establish a diagnosis. We're specifically looking for possible differential diagnosis, i.e. sort of in which fatigue uh, is also a symptom, i.e. other causes of fatigue other than COVID. What are those other differential diagnoses, those other causes? Well, diabetes can present with feeling tired and worn out. Anemia, iron deficiency anemia, if you're low in your iron levels, that can cause fatigue and other symptoms such as breathlessness or lightheadedness. But fatigue is definitely up there with feeling, with with being iron deficient anemia. Um, Underactive adrenal gland, Addison's disease, uh, hypothyroid, underactive thyroid gland. Um, Medication can lead to fatigue. So beta blocker drugs can lead to feeling sort of sluggish and heavy-legged. And then more sinister causes such as malaise due to cancer. That can present with fatigue. 
having completed the history, a general medical history, taking into account all the past medical history and the drug medication and family history and social history, we then proceed to the examination. Um, usually in our patients with fatigue, there's nothing to find on routine general examination. Perhaps the rheumatologists would go a bit further and, and assess grip strength, or the exercise physiologist would put patients on treadmills to measure their oxygen uh, capacity, their VO2 max. But on the whole, basically, fatigue as a symptom really hasn't got anything to show um, on examination. As always, we've got to watch out for red flags. What are red flags? Basically, they're signs and symptoms that suggest that there's something more sinister occurring, such as unexplained weight loss. Is that due to cancer? Unexplained fainting. Is that due to Addison's disease, the underactive adrenal gland? Poly, uh, polyuria, polydipsia, that's medical speak for we peeing too much and drinking too much or thirst. Is that, that those are symptoms of diabetes? Again, a cause for fatigue. Recent, recent massive and progressive weight loss, um, beg your pardon, weakness. Is that something neurological? So for all of these things, you know, these are red flags and red flags need to be acted upon and they need a specialist opinion, further investigations. Um, and a specialist opinion, i.e. referral to the hospital doctor. I mentioned the word investigations. Well, investigating fatigue, certainly in general practice and in our in our long COVID services, we'd be wanting to have baseline blood tests. So we'd want the full blood count to look for iron deficiency anemia or or irregularities in the um, in the immune cells and the white blood cells that are basically attacking viruses and bacteria. We'd want to do the kidney function, liver function. We'd want to um, send blood for CRP, C-reactive protein and ferritin, looking for inflammation. We'd want to be sending bloods for thyroid levels to check for underactive thyroid and the HbA1c just to check for um, diabetes. Um, all these are routine standard blood tests as listed in the uh, nice guidelines on um, sort of how how to manage uh, long COVID. Um, Various services would maybe include other fatigue blood tests such as um, rheumatoid factor or um, anti-nuclear antibodies looking for connective tissue and rheumatoid arthritis if the patient's presenting with joint problems, for example. Um, you could also do a serum calcium level looking for underactive um, parathyroids, hyperparathyroidism, um, vitamin D, again, no talk on anything medical is complete without a mention of vitamin D, low vitamin D levels, um, uh, 
which are common because well I'll talk about it a bit later on that um, you know vitamin D levels should be measured vitamin B and B12 and folate levels looking for pernicious anemia another form of anemia could be looked for it's reasonable uh, cortisol levels for early morning cortisol level looking for underactive adrenal the Addison's Addison's um, disease you may have heard of other blood tests such as creatinine kinase and lactose lactose dehydrogenase these are sort of if you like slightly more specialist erudite blood tests which some people like uh, to do looking for looking for other causes fatigue um in actual fact it's it's not really going to change the way we manage the fatigue and it, it's not overly helpful and it doesn't lead to an actual diagnosis um other cardiorespiratory tests to consider well you know uh, bnp looking for heart strain chest x-ray these are all sort of standard investigations we do medically again some services like to be able to quantify um, their levels of fatigue and the impact it's having on on their daily activities daily life and as a baseline um, to monitor progress so there are also there are a number of scales and um, and scoring systems to look for fatigue there's the fatigue assessment scale there's the functional assessment the facet facet uh, hyphen f there's the fatigue vas these are these are as i say ways of if you like quantifying just to sort of um, put a, a a level of fatigue on a, a, a scoring of the fatigue and its impact so having come to the end of the sort of the history examination investigations um, having excluded differential diagnoses, ruled out red flags. Um, we, and as long as we've not identified or, or none of those tests have turned up any other, other causes for fatigue, we're left with the diagnosis of, of fatigue due to, in, in our long COVID patients, due to the long COVID, nothing else. Um, uh, I think it's important to have mentioned that really because it brings it home to me you know how important it is not to be covid blind i you know just because someone with fatigue has had covid it doesn't mean it's because of their fatigue is because of covid it might be due to another cause which has other treatments so as i say we can now safely say we've got a diagnosis of fatigue um, due to long covid I now like just, just to go on in this section to just talk about the causes of it because I think this is important for patients to have a bit of an understanding of um, because it helps them sort of accept that um, there are lots of causes for the long COVID and hence the fatigue resulting from their long COVID. Just to sort of quickly skim through um, Basically, as we know, um, you know, COVID is now well into its third year and 
over that time, we've discovered all sorts of causes for long COVID. Um, and basically, the the number of causes, um, you know, one one person may have just one of the causes for their long COVID. They may have two or three, or may they have all the causes. But what are the causes for long COVID? Well, hold on, here we go. Um, the COVID ill, the virus itself may have caused direct damage to muscle tissue. So the muscle cells may have been damaged, viral myositis myositis so the damage or even or there may be myocyte damage or death um, therefore reduction in the number of mitochondria the energy factories in our cells um, there's maybe direct organ tissue damage so in the heart the lung the, the endocrine glands the liver kidneys direct damage from the virus may have caused damage in those organs and that's led to fatigue then there's there's the dysregulated inflammatory response due to cytokine storm resulting in a cytokine storm resulting in mast cell activation resulting in microclot formation all these bring about disabling the metabolic energy generating pathways inside the cells and then there's dysfunction of the immune system uh, autoantibodies, antibodies that basically we make ourselves directed at our own, our own cells, our own normal cells. So thinking fatigue, so antibodies directed at muscle cells and nerve cells, cell damage. Also autoantibodies have been discovered to those tissues between and surrounding the muscle cells. So there's, that leads to local inflammation and further muscle dysfunction and hence fatigue then there's dysfunction of the autoimmune system this is sort of damage that's happened within the brain and sort of dis imbalance of the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems in the brain nuclei the, uh, the limbic system all this you know uh, uh, results in sort of dysfunction of the autonomic nervous system and therefore functioning of the nerve hormone systems, the neuroendocrine systems. And then three more to go, disturbance of the and imbalance of the gut microbiota. We'll talk about this a bit later on, but the friendly bacteria in your intestines, that has a general effect um, on the well-being and on your well-being and your immune system and the gut-brain axis. Um, Studies have shown that the that patients with long COVID have a disrupted, disturbed, um, unbalanced microbiota, gut microbiota. Then there's deconditioning. This can lead to this feeling of being of sort of, of fatigue. Deconditioning happens to anyone who's been unwell and you know and less active than usual. It's unavoidable with prolonged rest. And then finally, impact on health. Um, so basically, uh, and it's understandable, isn't it? You know, anyone who's had stress and tension uh, leads to sort of worries and anxiety and, and often depression. Um, you know, basically, you know, that is just yet another cause 
of fatigue uh, in in the system. And like I said to begin with, you know, it's complicated. One person may have one of these processes happening, um, or two or three, or maybe they have all of these processes happening. So it's a little wonder that long COVID causes so many symptoms and in so many systems throughout the body. It's complex. It's, let's face it, it's the perfect storm. While we're on this topic, you know, you know, a lot of our patients are in the clinics that I'm working in, you know, basically ask, ask, is long COVID the same as ME-CFS? It's a really good question. Um, like I said, here we are well into the third year of long COVID and we've learned a lot along that, along that journey. Um, basically, um, it has emerged now with time that, you know, long COVID patients sort of fall into three subgroups. There's the organ damaged group who's, you know, had brain or heart or lung damage as a result of their acute COVID infection. Secondly, you've got the inflammatory group, um, those patients who have, have an excessive inflammatory response over sort of hyper, uh, hyper, uh, response leading to the cytokine storm, mast cell activation, um, sort of the microthrombi, the mini blood clots, um, maybe fueled by viral persistence or maybe along with possible reactivation of other viruses such as glandular fever, Epstein-Barr virus that you might have had previously. So there's that group, the inflammatory group. Then there's the dysautonomic group, those patients who, who basically, who have uh, cardiac and neurological symptoms, so POTS and orthostatic problems and dizziness and nausea. And then finally, there's the fatigue group, those patients who, whose predominant symptom is fatigue. They don't have all those other problems. They didn't get organ damage. They, they haven't got, didn't have a terrible, um, sort of overactive inflammatory response. They don't have a dysautonomia, but they do have fatigue. And maybe these will become the persisting sort of post-viral group, like, um, uh, after glandular fever, Epstein-Barr virus that leads on to ME-CFS. So, I mean, and uh, this is obviously a worry, but pre, pre-pandemic in the UK, we had 200,000, 200, 250,000 patients with ME-CFS. We've, bearing in mind that we've had 2 million according to the Office of National Statistics, 2 million patients with long COVID. Um, if you think about that, that, that Hong Kong study that I talked to you about after SARS-CoV-1, 2003, think about that study, um, uh, in that 30% of those patients uh, ha- had, four years later, ME-CFS could be diagnosed with ME-CFS. Well, if you've got 2 million patients with long COVID, that, having done the maths, which I did, that leaves 600,000 patients who may have ME-CFS following on from their long COVID. And so to answer the question, um, 
is long COVID the same as MECFS? Well, it may well be for a subgroup of our long COVID sufferers. Um, the, the, prob- the answer is probably yes. And again, sort of briefly, sort of touching on this, um, you know, basically, um, again, if we draw from our experience from, from MECFS, i.e. pre-pandemic research, what have we found? Neuroinflammatory studies shows overactive inflammation in the brain leading to cognitive problems, brain fog. We had energy metabolism studies that showed that there's reduced ATP or um, sort of metabolomic um, studies that show um, uh, uh, biochemical pathways malfunctioning. Redox imbalance, when there's excessive um, pro-inflammatory mediators, all these studies were showing were in patients with MECFS and they mirror a lot of the studies that have been done on um, long COVID patients since the pandemic. Dysautonomic studies, again, you know, in our MECFS patients, um, uh, basically demonstrated sort of dysautonomia, like we're seeing in, in long COVID. Um, dysregulation of the adrenal gland balance, you know, and and, and sort of um, reduced cortisol levels seen in MECFS, seeing this in long COVID. And finally, autoantibodies. Again, we've seen this in uh, MECFS. So there we are. There's lots of evidence. So there we go. Um, That concludes the sort of the first part of my talk on fatigue with long COVID. Um, The symptoms, the diagnosis, investigations, and some of the what I've talked about with MECFS. In the second part, I'll talk about the treatments, the management and outcomes. Um, I hope you found that helpful. Um, As I mentioned at the start, it's a disclaimer, I'm afraid. Any advice, diagnoses, treatments that I mention should only be considered after discussion with your own GP or qualified professional health provider. Um, In the meantime, um, I wish you well uh, for your long COVID recovery. Thank you very much. Thank you.